1: Everybody and welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is finally training camp week, really for all of us. I'm Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you?
2: I'm doing great today, Dan. How you doing?
1: Doing well, and Scott Patsko
0: joining us as well. Scott, how are you? That's right, training camp live from our basements.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much is going to be different, but at least there is some potential that by the end of this week, we'll be watching some real football practices in Berea. Um, we're going to make this the what if podcast. We're going to throw out some hypotheticals and we're going to try and and figure out what happens if these things happen. All we talk about in the NFL is coaches with contingency plans on contingency plans. So let's make our own contingency plans here. I've got four what if questions. I'm going to throw them out. We're going to kick them around. And the very first one has to do with the quarterback position. I, I think most of us believe that Baker Mayfield is going to have a big bounce back year, Mary Kay, you have talked to a number of people about this. Most of them have said that they expect him to be really good. Some have even agreed with you that he could end up being a top 10 quarterback when all is said and done this season. Um, I don't think anyone expects him to, you know, duplicate what happened last year, which was disastrous. But let's talk about what happens if he ends up just kind of in the middle somewhere. What if Baker Mayfield is just okay this year? Does that change anything?
2: Yeah, it really does change everything. Because uh, let's say, for instance, that he just is okay and that he's still, you know, throwing too many interceptions and things like that. They actually have a really good option this year. And Kevin Stefanski has a trust level with Case Keenum. So if for some reason the season isn't going the way that they want it to go because of Baker Mayfield, they can go to plan B and that's Case Keenum. And they have a very big comfort level that he could step in there and win games for them. So he really does have to play well. He can't just be okay. I think the bar is set pretty high this year. I personally have the bar set at making the playoffs and I think everybody else should have the bar set there as well. So if it looks like, everything else is is on track and doing that, and Baker's not, they have somewhere else to go.
0: I agree with that. I think that uh, if Baker's just okay, then you have to start questioning how much you want to pay him. You know, as far as the contract extension goes, that becomes an issue. You didn't draft him first overall to be okay. Uh, however, I think that Baker Mayfield being okay isn't, a disaster for this team. I think what you want him really to be is efficient. You know, uh, I know Kirk Cousins made the Pro Bowl, but more than anything, Kirk Cousins was efficient last year. And if you can get an efficient year out of Baker Mayfield, maybe not a, a highlight reel, you know, yes, this guy was the number one pick overall. Look how awesome he's doing kind of year. If it's just efficient, well, then I think this team can be successful because you do have so many weapons. And just the fact that the offense is built around the run and play action and stuff like that. Um, so I think Baker Mayfield being just okay, maybe matters a little more for the things that aren't on the field, but on the field and okay, Baker Mayfield, I think, uh, I think they could work with that. There's a lot of wiggle room too in, in that <laughs> work, which, which is kind of why it's, it's
1: sort of fun to talk about, right? It could be, you know, is it Kirk Cousins? Is it, Alex Smith, before Kansas City went out and drafted Patrick Mahomes. You know, talking about situations where teams have had quarterbacks that they've been able to win with. And I think the other layer to this is, I mean, let's just say it's, it's Kirk Cousins, who, you know, maybe saying he's okay is not being fair to him. But, you know, look, he's not in the same sentence as the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, but, but let's say Kirk Cousins is the bar and Baker's right there or, or just below it. We've seen you can win with that type of quarterback. And we've also seen the place where Kirk Cousins left, Washington, they're still kind of looking for a guy to replace him. They, they weren't super enamored with the guy. I think okay is interesting because even though that might not be what you want out of the number one overall pick, if that okay is leaning more towards being good or still having that sort of upside, you know, you, you hate to kind of move on from a guy that you can win football games with even if it's not elite level
2: football. Yeah, you know what, it, it will provide them uh, with an interesting conundrum if he is just okay at the end of the season. Now, if he's just okay and they've made the playoffs and won a playoff game, right. then you know, that's, that's a different story. I mean, that gets them through the season and there, there are enough, enough other things going on on this football team in terms of skill players and the running game and all of that, that you know, maybe they could get by if he were just okay, and they could still achieve and accomplish their goals, but then they would have to make a very big decision in terms of, as as Scott mentioned earlier, you know, what do you do in in terms of signing him, re-signing him, extending him, and giving him uh, that big, huge blockbuster deal. So, uh, you know, that that would be the interesting part, even maybe perhaps more so than how it impacted the win-loss column this year.
0: everybody wants to see a bounce back year from Baker Mayfield. And the common belief is that Kevin Savancy's offense is, you know, perhaps the perfect offense for him to do that in. But at the same time, it's his first year in this offense. We have everything that didn't happen this off season that, you know, you could say was kind of working against him in a way. Um, so maybe, you know, there is a little, uh, you know, yeah, but there, you know, this is his first year, again, with with Stefanski and what, fourth coach and fourth in his fourth, third season, fourth coach? Because mm-hmm. he had one for, for a half, yeah. two, two over one season there. So, I mean, there's a lot of that rolled into this as well. So I don't think that you can really look at Baker Mayfield and say that he's um, not gotten the job done if at the end of the season, he's not a pro bowler. I mean, if we're saying he's just okay, then he's definitely not a pro bowler. Uh, I think there's enough that has happened enough that's there's enough challenge there for him this year to, to, to not reach that level, but for still, again, get this team to a successful end. Right.
1: I, I think what you want to say is look in a perfect world. He bounces back. He looks like the guy that's at the rookie touchdown record. Uh, that accuracy, that arm strength, all of that stuff uh, is, is on full display but it is also important to note that he hasn't had a, much of an offseason. And he hasn't got, gotten to know this coaching staff and this playbook and, and some of these new faces as, as well as you would have liked by this point. Uh, I mean, they're not even really going to be able to practice for real until later this week like we talked about. So, you know, there, is, there are probably going to be some growing pains. But if at the end of the year, even if you're not saying, oh, boy, Baker's definitely back on that track to being one of the best quarterbacks in football or at least having that potential, if you can get through this year and say, we can win with Baker Mayfield, I don't think Browns fans are going to complain. I don't think the Browns organization is going to complain because this team hasn't had a quarterback they can win with for a long time. So I think there's, a, there's kind of a wide berth as to where Baker Mayfield could land and you'd be happy moving forward with them. The contract extension makes it difficult. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's for somebody else to, to have to figure out and, and deal with. All right, let's move on to our next what-if. We're going to talk about uh, another first-round pick. We're going to talk about Jedrick Wills. Uh, Bill Callahan told us this offseason he's not afraid to put Jedrick Wills out there as your starting left tackle week one. That's where this is headed. Uh, So the what-if here is what if early in the season – say those first four games what if Jedrick Wills really struggles now, I'm not talking like it's beat a couple times or looks like a rookie I'm talking like remember when, when Cam Irving first got thrown out there at, at guard I mean what if we're talking that level of, of struggle what, what if he's he just really has some big time growing pains and, and is a little bit of a liability early
2: Well, there would be a couple of options in the event that that happens, Uh, the first of which I think would probably be uh, to move Jack Conklin over to left tackle and then maybe switch Uh, Jedrick over to the right and see if that makes any kind of a difference whatsoever. Although Andrew Andrew Barry will be the first to tell you, he just doesn't think that anymore that there is that much difference in a guy that has to play on the left and a guy that plays on the right in terms of what you have to deal with coming at you. Uh, So I don't know if that would be uh, the solution to this problem. Another solution would be to, uh, you know, to move him to a guard spot. And, and let him you know try to learn from inside for a little bit if he's struggling that much on the outside with the league's best pass rushers. In the event that happens, then you could either move Chris Hubbard to left tackle and keep Jack on the right side, or you could move Jack over to the left and put Chris on the right and have Jed at right guard. So these are just some of the options.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> if if Jedrick Wills doesn't work out at left tackle, um... I don't know. You call up Joe Thomas and you start sending him food to bulk back up, I think, <laughs> to, to go this many years without finding a, a, a replacement. Um, but the thing that Jeter Wills can definitely do that we know he can do is run block, and I think that's, that's a really important part of this offense. And we know that he's, he's athletic. So having those two things in his favor, I think, really diminish the, the, uh, the likelihood that he will fail. Now, if he just can't pass block against anybody – then, then yeah, I think you start uh, start experimenting and, and Jack Conklin's obviously a, a possibility there. But um, I think as long as he can run block and as long as he can move uh, and not get all tangled up with Joel Petonio <laughs> and, uh, and get those kinds of things done, I think that's, I think you're okay. But if it's, that's really, really moving Jack Conklin over is probably the only thing they can really do because I don't think you put Chris Hubbard over there. Um, you know, the other option is Kendall Lamb, and neither one of you look excited about that. <laughs> so uh, I think those are, those are your emergency backups, but I think, uh, man, if that happens, that's, that would just be, I don't know, I think you'd have to start talking about some sort of curse with the Browns and a left eye. The curse of Joe Thomas, I think, is, is what the Browns would be dealing with.
1: It's what you get for losing all those games when, when you had a, a hall of famer at left tackle. Man. I, I think, you know, just talking about it right now, I think it's so hard to imagine that it would actually happen. I think, you know, there's a chance that he struggles a little bit. There's a chance that maybe that first game is a little ugly going against Baltimore because, you know, they're going to be targeting him and, and trying to make his, his life miserable. Uh, but But I do think it's, It just feels really unlikely that that it would get to the point where you'd be really concerned about your long-term outlook at left tackle. But as Mary Kay was going through all those options, it is at least comforting that there are options. Even if they aren't all ideal, even if they aren't all perfect, at least there are some things you could do uh, to throw some guys out there. Because at least Kendall Lamb has played the position before. Chris Hubbard has played the position before. Uh, You've got some tape on these guys. You, You can work around some things with them. And if if you needed to make a switch to let Jedrick catch his breath a little bit, or, or play a year at guard or, or whatever it is, like uh, um, I, I'm I'm blanking on the name. Got traded from Miami to Houston last year. Oh, you're blanking on his name too.
2: <laughs>
1: Man, well uh, we'll edit this part out. But he started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we won't. We'll just be embarrassed by it. He started started at guard. (laughs) Laramie Tunsil. Yes, Laramie Tunsil. Started at guard, moved his way out to tackle, uh, you know, after his rookie year in Miami. So, you know, it can happen. I I don't think it's the end of Jedrick's career if he struggles early. But again, it's those contingency plans. We just don't know what to expect. It's the great unknown when you're moving a guy from right to left side um, in his rookie year.
2: Yeah, I, I wanted to, to add to that too, uh, Dan. I, I agree with you 100%. If he's not uh, on, completely 100% on point, uh, the, even this season at left tackle, it certainly doesn't mean he's not the left tackle of the future. What it may mean is that he did not have an offseason uh, to get coached up. It may mean that he needs to get up to speed on just the NFL game itself, just uh, you know, just the level of competition he's going to be going up against. I mean, you know, even Nick Saban, when I talked to him about Jed, uh, he said, you know what, he, he has everything that it would take to make that move over to the left side, but nobody knows for sure if he'll be able to do it. So it might take a little bit more time, but I certainly don't think that him struggling early on or even throughout the season means that he is not the heir apparent to Joe Thomas.
1: Okay, we're going to do one more, then take a break, and then I've got another one after that. But we're going to stick with the offensive line here. Right guard has been a big uh, topic of conversation. I think that's a good thing for this football team, that right guard is one of the more prominent battles. It kind of tells you that a lot of the important positions, at least on that side of the ball, are settled. But my question here is, what if no one really wins the right guard job? Obviously, somebody's got to start there, week one. But what if it's just kind of like – Nobody really did anything to win that job, so we're just going to throw this guy out there. Is that a concern for the Browns? Is that something that could short-circuit this offense?
2: Well, you know what? I I think that they can take some comfort in the knowledge that Wyatt Teller played there for nine games uh, to end last season. And they've got plenty of tape on him. Uh, he went up against some really good competition in those nine games, and they know what he brings to the table. And now he's got Jack Conklin next to him, and that should make him uh, that much better to have a player of that caliber playing right there next to him. So I, I just don't think that uh, that this is a huge, huge concern. Now, you know, maybe as you've been saying all along, Dan. you know, Maybe Nick Harris is sort of a dark horse candidate that's going to come in here and beat him out for that job, uh, but I think at the, at the worst, I think they're going to have uh, Wyatt Teller there starting at right guard, and they pretty much know what he is, and I know for a fact he has worked his tail off in the offseason to come back and nail down that starting position.
0: Did anybody really win it last year? I, I don't. I don't remember anybody yeah. ever saying, you know, Eric Cush is our right guard. I think the answer we got was, Eric Cush is our right guard this week, and then yeah. it was. It just kept continuing until he wasn't anymore. It, it seems like that's that's kind of what happened. But I, I do think you're right, mary I think mary, why tell us your uh, your your week one starter, especially after some of the the uh, opt outs. Um, I wrote about that last week. I think uh, you take Drew Forbes out of the equation who has no offensive snaps, uh, offensive line snaps in the NFL. Uh, and you take Colby Gossett out of the equation. He opted out. He played five games with the Cardinals two years ago. Um, so you're not really losing a ton of experience there. Uh, so then you, you know, against Teller, you you have Nick Harris, who I think is listed as a center on the roster and Evan Brown also a center, but those guys are kind of interchangeable. They kind of, even uh, Andrew Barry, I think it was said, you know, everybody's cross training right now. They want guys who can play both positions, you know, so it's, it's an easy switch, whether it's uh, a starting guard or a backup who moves to center or whatever the case. So um, I think Wyatt Teller, the, the, the competition has thinned and I think he's kind of an obvious choice. And look, if he wasn't a guy that they had at least some confidence in, they would have more people here right now. You know, they, they knew what they had in him when, when, uh, you know, months ago when they went into the draft when they went into free agency uh, so it seems clear that that they're fine if he wins it they were probably fine if Drew Forbes won it uh, but you know even if it is him and then we'll, we'll see what, what happens a question mark at right guard with Jack Conklin and you know Jedrick Wills as your tackles is a lot different than you know why Tiller at guard with the tackles they had last year that makes a huge difference.
1: Right. I think when we talk about the offensive line last year, we very rarely look at, look at it and say, oh, boy, right guard. That was, that was the problem. Now, obviously, Cush struggled enough that he lost the job to Teller in the middle of the season. But, you know, the, the talk was the tackles. You've got to get both those tackles fixed. And the reality is, just like with Jedrick Wills on the left side, he gets to play next to Joel Batonio, which is a pretty nice luxury. This right guard is going to be playing in between J.C. Treader and Jack Conklin and that 's a pretty nice nice thing to have too. you know. I remember back when the Browns had that great line with Alex Mack and betonio and thomas and you know they had John Greco at at right guard and he you know he was good, but he had Mitchell Schwartz and Alex Mack with him, and that always helped him you know if he was kind of that weak link it, it just made him better it helped take him to that next level. so I think guard is just one of those positions where you can kind of fudge it a little bit if you need to until you find that guy. You, you can't be a disaster there, but as long as you have a guy that you know can kind of hold his own and, and succeed in between those two really talented players. Um, I, I just I'm, – I'm not that concerned about red guard, to, to be honest, even though we've spent all offseason discussing it. but
0: you know, uh, it is. I would say, uh, by themselves, maybe they didn't seem like as much of an issue as the tackles, but if you put the, the season of Cush and Teller together – they gave up the second most pressures of anybody on the line behind Chris Hubbard. So if you mush them together stat wise and make them one player, um, it wasn't great, but still you're right. The tackles, I think were, were the, were the biggest issue.
1: Yeah. It's hard to, hard to judge that, that domino effect, I think. All right, we're going to take a break. I'll tell you about football insider and then when we come back, we have one more what if question. We're going to talk about the defensive side of the football right after this time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service, where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider?
0: I, I don't know why any Browns fan would
1: not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really really keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. (laughs) <laughs> so, if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or, even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko, our Monday edition. We're doing what-ifs, and we're going to talk about defense. This is a position we've talked about so much, a lot like right guard, but we've talked so much about this position. We've thrown the names out there, Uh, but the what-if here, I think – everyone is a little concerned about this linebacking core. Even if you think Mac Wilson is, is going to establish himself, if you think, you know, Jacob Phillips is going to hit the ground running, I think it's fair to say everybody's at least a little concerned about this linebacking core. So the what if here is, what if we're right about the linebackers? What, what if that is the, the problem unit on the defense and they just don't live up to expectations? <laughs>
2: Well, once again, I think they would have some options Uh, if these guys are not what they hope they will be. uh, Number one, uh, you can play sub defenses, maybe even more than you thought you would, and try to capitalize on some of the versatility of a player like a Grant Delpit that uh, can serve as almost maybe a little bit of a hybrid type player. Uh, So so that's one thing you can do, go with two linebackers much of the time. Uh, The other thing that you could possibly do is uh, scour other teams rosters or for street free agents and try to bring in other talent. Uh, but, you know, if there were that many great linebackers sitting around waiting for a job, they, they probably would be here by now. Uh, but, you know, you can make a trade, you know, you can do something like that. Uh, you know, perhaps you could even use a defensive lineman at linebacker. Uh, you know, if you have a, a tweener guy, there might be somebody that you could use in that position. Once again, you can mix and match and do Uh, multiple things with that front and and give multiple looks. So you might not have, uh, you know, the typical pro, you know, prototypical linebacker on the field in that situation. Uh, But perhaps it's a, you know, it's a defensive end or or another player like that from your defensive line. Um, So these are some of the things, make a trade, uh, assign a free agent and mix and match with your other players.
0: Yeah. I think when we did our, uh, our our pre-training camp 53, 53-man roster, one of the spots for linebacker I had was somebody who's not on the team, because I think that they're going to be watching very closely to see who's released, who's waived, and uh, if somebody has experience, uh, they're going to jump on that, because they really don't have that right now. They have, like like you guys said, there's a lot of question marks uh, right now. I think the big thing with this crew is how well they can cover. Um, you know, we know Mac Wilson's Training camp was awesome, but it didn't carry over last year. How well they do might be how much Grant Delpit plays into that because we know that he can do that, and we know that he'll probably be on the field more than you're going to see three linebackers on the field. So he's probably going to be in that role a lot of coverage, which could free up, uh, you know, the other linebackers to do some different things. So, you know, they're cross-training everybody to kind of figure out what they can do. Uh, I think uh, Joe Woods is probably going to, the perfect scenario is to not ask anybody to do things they can, you know, and and really be focused on what, what they have to do. You got athleticism, you got speed there. Um, but just so much inexperience and we just don't know, you know, and plus again, you're not going to have a preseason to kind of work out kinks with some of that stuff. Um, if they're an issue, I think you really got to hope that front four is getting the job done. You know, you got to hope that, uh, 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 the middle of the, the offensive line is, uh, is really stopping the run. And man, that's the kind of thing I think even a couple of months ago, I think we talked about something similar that the, the linebackers seem like what, what the offense, they could be like what the offensive line was last year. They just kind of blew up so much. Um, but, you know, we'll find out. They got a month to, <laughs> to figure it out and, and get ready for Baltimore.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a very stiff first test for this linebacking core, and I, I am curious to to finally get a look at what this Joe Woods defense is really going to look like and how they're going to deploy their linebackers and and who they kind of view as as the possible starters. I think we've all sort of assumed Mac Wilson is the guy, and I, I want to see what Mac Wilson can do with a, a full off season and and having gotten thrown into the fire last year playing in those games. I want to see, you know, how he's grown from year to year. Uh, But there's just still so much unknown in in that group. And it is a group, even if the Browns don't necessarily view linebacker as, you know, super important in their defensive scheme, you still got to have some guys that can come up and make plays in the run game. And Scott, like you said, guys who can cover a tight end or cover a running back out of the backfield and and be able to make plays. And uh, if, if teams figure out that this linebacking core maybe isn't what the Browns hope it can be, going to start picking on that group a lot and they're going to find ways to put those linebackers in positions that they that the browns don't want them in and uh it's it yeah I, i mean it could be like that offensive line last year and derail the defense but you know we'll see it's just a very unknown group
2: you know i i think there are two sort of x factors as we look at the linebacking core and if these two guys sort of play over their heads uh, and, and really come through for the Browns, I think they'll be okay. And that is Sione Takitaki, which we just don't know what he's capable of. The Browns were excited last year about him. They drafted him in the third round and really thought that he could be, become a starting linebacker eventually. Uh, so he needs to step up into one of these roles and prove that he can be that. And then the other guy, of course, is rookie third-round pick Jacob Phillips. I mean, he's someone that I, I keep, I've said this so many different times. These LSU players, you know, they seem to step into the NFL, and, and they play really good football early on. I mean, they're just so used to playing at such a high level, and uh, and they usually fare pretty well. So, you know, he's someone that I think can can um, can come in here and make a little bit of noise.
1: All right, that's gonna be, it's gonna be an interesting group to watch. That's probably the uh, the group that I'm most excited uh, to finally see in person because it's just so much unknown. Like I said, about how they're going to be used. Who's going to be playing where? Who's at the top of the pecking order right now? I mean, we don't even know that at so many of these positions, and that's one that I really want to see some answers to. All right, that'll do it for this Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, any place you get your podcasts. It hits every single night at midnight. And make sure you sign up for Football Insider. I told you that number earlier, 216 208-3965 208-3965 to start your free trial. Don't forget, we got Texture Tuesday coming up. You might want to get involved in that, and we might have some other fun stuff planned for our textures as well. So again, 216-208-3965 to start your free trial. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.